Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Best Thoughts. I'm Rick Johns. And I'm Will Johns. And I'm supposed to be here today. I really don't want to be. But it's just my duty, and I've got to get it done. Yes, yes. Well played, because we're going to be talking about that today, Will. Is that correct? Yes, we're in Brene Brown's book, The Gifts of Imperfection, looking at guidepost number nine, cultivating meaningful work, letting go of self-doubt, and supposed to. Sounds like a great discussion. I'm looking forward to it. But you know, before we get into it, I just wanted to go on the record. I had one of our listeners say to me, uh, she works in the medical field, and she was just a little concerned that maybe in our anxiety episode, we were suggesting that medication cannot be helpful. Uh, but we were not talking about medication. We were talking about self-medicating. And we just want to go on record and say we are certainly understand that medication for anxiety and other conditions under the supervision of a doctor or a provider is, of course, important and necessary for, for certain individuals. We just are concerned for this culture of self-medication that we find and substance abuse and that kind of thing. That's exactly right, Rick, and that's why uh, I'm running on some amphetamines today oh, no. just to no. get through. <laughs> that's all right, here we go. Since I'm supposed to do this podcast. Yeah, you know, gotcha. Just, uh, <laughs> gotta. I think I'm interpreting what you just said correctly. I, I don't think so at all. But any rate, <laughs> we want to go on record as we do support medication for things. I know there are some people out there that are against all medication. And I think we do re understand we live in probably an over-medicated society, but we do need to uh, work in conjunction with our doctors and professionals and make the best decisions for our life. And that's why we're here. We're sharing our best thoughts that we've come across so that you can live the highest quality life. And that's what we wanna do and we wanna just share what we're learning. And today in our chapter, Will, it really got me thinking about my own experience. And I know you're here because you're supposed to, uh, but let me share my own <laughs> supposed to story. Um, for those of you that know, don't know, Will and I are both pastors, and uh, our father is also a pastor. And I remember when I met my first girlfriend and her father, he made this interesting comment to me. He says, your brother's studying to be a pastor too? We were both in college. And I said, yes. And he says, you mean your dad ruined you both? <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> well, I didn't know quite how to respond to that, but I laughed and said, yeah, I guess so. And uh, as I went through that journey, I was thinking to myself, you know, I don't know about you, Will, but dad never pushed me to be a pastor. No. I no. never remember him ever saying to me, hey, son, you know, why don't you follow in the family uh, footsteps, and it really is kind of the family business. We have a number of other relatives, including our grandfather and great-grandfather, who both went into ministry. Uh, our grandfather, I guess, ended up going into teaching and being a professor at the seminary, so it's a little different, but he was an ordained minister. Mm -hmm. So we had this family business that we were born into, if you will, but Dad never pushed it on us, and so I always believed that I was making my own choice and feeling my own calling from God when I went into ministry. Fast forward about 10 years into ministry, and I'm on an airplane, 
and I'm sitting next to, I don't know why pastors always have airplane stories, but this is true. It just <laughs> happened. And sitting next to this woman and very intelligent, very interesting woman. And I find out she's an entrepreneur. She started a number of businesses and really cool kind of businesses and different kinds, which really was fascinating to me. She just seemed to be a jack of all trades and just intelligent enough to to take an interest in many different areas and fields. And she would get these businesses off the ground and then she would sell them for tons of money. And mm. it was very clear that she was very wealthy now, though I, I wouldn't have put her over 40 or maybe right around 40. And she told me she had sold many businesses, not just one or two, several that she would just get off the ground and running. And she was she had just sold her last business and I think she was even flying back from making the deal and she was trying to figure out what business to start next. And so we have this whole conversation. And after we learn all about her, and I'm just fascinated about her story, she asked me about me. So, you know, it's one of those fun moments as a pastor where you tell them you're a pastor and you watch them kind of uh, shrink away and, <laughs> and wonder if they said anything inappropriate to you before they knew. Or <laughs> it's, it's fun being a pastor. Uh, so she looks... She, she starts asking me questions like I was asking her. And one of the questions she's like, well, you know, I, I suppose your dad had a big influence on you becoming a pastor. And I said, oh, no, no, uh, I just chose it on my own. I, my dad never really said anything to me about it. And she just looked at me and she started laughing a little bit. And I said, no, no, seriously, he, he didn't push me into it. And she said, oh, okay. Like she didn't believe me. And I was like, the nerve of this stranger, like, you don't understand my dad. I don't think he really, you know, I don't know that he had a strong opinion. He's never said one way or the other. And I was about to really try to convince her that I was telling the truth when all of a sudden it started to hit me what she meant. And then I said, well, I guess my dad did have some influence. And she said, you think so? And I said, all right, all right. I said, well, why do you, why do you bring it up? And she's like, no, nothing. She said, I just, if your dad's a pastor, that's what's kind of modeled as something important, something that's special. She said, how could you not grow up and think being a pastor was a great thing to do? And how could that not kind of subtly be something you wanted approval for? Because and then I started thinking about our family, Will, <laughs> and look at us both. We're both pastors. It was something that was very valued. It was something that pastors were put on a pedestal in our family. It was an important position. So if you want to be someone important, if you want to be someone uh, that's valuable, that's doing something worthwhile, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you can't get any higher than a pastor in our family. And yes. so... That little airplane conversation was a little bit of a wake-up call to me to say, oh, yeah, I may have chosen it. Yeah, Dad never gave me any big speech. You should be a pastor. You're supposed to be a pastor. But the very influence of the family I grew up in was all pointing me that that is the best choice I could make. That's the most important choice I can make. Now, I don't regret that at all, and I don't think you do either, Will, but one thing I've had to learn in my journey is moving away from, hey, I have to be this pastor for my own self-esteem and self-worth, and I have to be good so my parents will love me and like me and my family will think I'm great, and moving towards what do I, who have I been called 
And how do I minister? Because there's a million different ways you can be a pastor, and there's a million different ways you could live that out. So now I feel like in my 40s, I'm finally living that out in an authentic version of who I am, Rick Rick Johns, the pastor, not Pastor Rick Johns. Mm, mm, that's a good distinction that you made there, Rick. And I think I think many of us can kind of relate to this idea of, of waking up one day and, and asking, uh, why am I doing the job that I'm doing? Why am mm. I doing the work that I'm doing? And if the best answer we could come up with is it's because I'm supposed to, um, we're just not going to have much energy for it. No. And, and I think, I think that's, you know, when you, when you say, um, I'm Rick Johns, the pastor, that's you owning the position, right? Um, what you were supposed to be was pastor Rick Johns. Mm. And, and when you're doing it out of that framework, you know, it's exhausting and I just want to kind of share my own supposed to story that is is more related. It, it's related to to my job, but it's also related to a different kind of work. And that is, I had somewhere in my head a very strong idealistic supposed to about the kind of husband and father I was supposed to be. And and this was I was supposed to be the perfect husband. And the perfect father. You are. As well as... <laughs> I'll, I'll slip you your money later for saying that, Rick. Uh, no, I meant you are supposed to be. Oh, oh I see. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you are. Let me clarify. Yeah. Man, I thought I'd just gotten my first compliment from you on this podcast, Rick, and then... I was just agreeing with your statement. That you, there you go. They felt it. like you're Pull the rug out to. from under me. <laughs> So anyway, um, you know, you, you have this, and, and it's good, it's good to want to be the best that we can be, but, but then on top of that, I'm trying to be, you know, the best pastor I can possibly be, and somewhere in the attempt at all three of those, um, you know, roles in my life, I am falling short. I can't do it all perfectly, and my energy starts to get sapped in, in all of the areas, mm. and something has to give. Mm. And so, you know, part of this uh, journey that we're talking about today and finding meaningful work is to find the pieces of what you're currently doing that energize you. Yeah. And, and what I realized was in my job and, and as, as my role as, as husband and father, I needed to find the areas where I could contribute uniquely that were my giftedness, things that energized me. Yep. And so, you know, I found out that I really enjoyed doing the budget. That's a needed thing as a husband and father. You know, that's needed for any marriage. It's needed for any family. And I enjoyed that piece. Wait, I was wait. energized by that. Did you just say budget? Because I'm 
going to go on a limb and say not most people are very energized by putting together a budget. I just want to make sure I heard that correctly. Well, and, and I can assure you that my wife is not energized by that <laughs> process. Because she's and, normal. And uh, so, <laughs> hey, if my friend Matt's listening, he knows what I'm talking about. Matt, you're, All right. you're right there with me. I know it. That's Admit it. two people. Um, but yes, most people are not. But here's the thing is that's a, a gift that I can contribute. I can contribute to our financial well-being. Now, now I may not make the best food, although I'm willing to cook and get in the kitchen. So, uh, and I do from time to time, but my cooking is probably not the greatest, definitely not at the level that my wife's is, and that's okay. But when I try to do it all, then it's exhaustion, it's burnout, it's too much. And I wake up in the day kind of dreading the duty that stands before me. Right. And, and I think what we're really talking about today, Rick, is how do we switch gears in our mind from I have to do this to I get to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. Yes. Or to put things in our lives that we do want to do, that we do enjoy doing, that, that, you know, the secret that you mentioned there, Will, is crucial, and I want to emphasize that. The secret is to find where your energy comes from. Mm. When you're doing something and you start to feel excited or energized, then you know you're starting to tap into something that's important to you. And I think we're so caught up in a culture of you should do this, should, you know, have to, obligation, responsibility, all these big words that a lot of times we don't even notice. We don't even pay attention. We don't even think about the things that might energize us because each day it's just our to-do list. Each day it's just, well, I've got to do this to pay the bills or I got to do. And what Brene was saying in her chapter as she interviewed happy, fulfilled, wholehearted people. They were people that had found the thing that energized them, that they enjoyed, mm. that had meaning. You know, you know, Rick, as you're talking about that, I think, I think what happens to me, and there might be some others out there that, that can relate to this, is I fill my day up with all of my supposed tos first. And then at the very end of the day, when I have no energy left over, is I'll, I'll give myself permission to do something that I want to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think what she's saying in this chapter is don't approach it like that. <laughs> yeah, build in the things that you enjoy. Uh, she had a good story about a lady who was a CPA that would make jewelry as a hobby. And when she bought some earrings from this lady who she, she thought the earrings were amazing and beautiful and just beautifully mm. designed... And she, I think she said something to the, the lady about being a jeweler, jeweler or, and the lady was like, oh, no, no, I'm a CPA. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, well, yes. you made these beautiful earrings, so I think you're a jeweler. Like, you, you can do it. You did it. Yes. But yes. at least the CPA was taking the time for that hobby. And, and I don't think Brene is saying you have to um, make a career out of what you love because sometimes it's not possible. Maybe you love to paint. Maybe you love, you know, some form of art mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. probably wouldn't pay the bills. 
but you do need to put some time that I'm going to make it a priority. Well, and I think, I, I think Rick, you've got two options there. Number one is she, she talks about people with hyphenated careers. So it's like the woman who's a CPA and she makes jewelry. And that's, that's who she is. She does both things. Mm. And that's, that's a very strong option, I think, that any of us can do, is whatever career you're in, if you're like, you know, I don't feel like switching careers. I'm just going to make the best of this one. But there's this other thing that really energizes me, and I'm going to make time for that. Yeah. But the, the other piece that we can do is we can look at the job we're currently doing and see if we can get creative to spend more time in the area of our strengths and gifts. Yeah. And, and I, I've got a great example of this. Uh, big shout out to, to my friend Sifa that I work with. He's a fellow pastor um, on staff at the, at the church that I work at. And, and he and I have different giftedness and we help each other because of that. And, and so I'm currently in the process of trying to put a storage shed in at the new location that my church is renting. And this is not in my giftedness. Like it exhausts me just thinking about, just talking about it right now, I'm starting to feel exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Sifa is amazing at this. He came out and looked at the location for me. He brought a guy out that um, uh, works with concrete. He's gonna lay the, the slab that we're gonna put the shed on. And he could basically do this with his eyes closed mm. and is totally hooking me up because I reached out to him knowing that he was good in this area and I wasn't. Well, then I had a chance to return the favor where uh, just a few weeks ago for our Easter service, we were doing some dramatic monologues as pastors. And we each were going to write our own three-minute monologue and dress up like a Bible character to kind of tell the Easter story. And um, so Sifa's asking me questions about this. I have a background in drama. And finally, I just say to him, if you're okay with it, I'll just write it for you. And, and he's like, oh, yeah, yes, please. And I could tell <laughs> what a relief it was for him that I was willing to do that. Yeah. And I wrote the monologue in like 10 minutes. Like yeah. this was nothing for me. Yeah. But it felt overwhelming to him, just like the, the shed and the concrete felt overwhelming to me. <laughs> yeah, good story. So we, we can look for these ways and be, be creative in our current work environment where we might be able to, to help each other out a little bit. Yeah, I think that's part of the secret is to maximize the time that you spend in those areas that are more in sync with your passions, your your personality, your talents, your abilities, and minimize. In your case, it, it meant trading with a, a coworker. Hey, can you do this for me? I, I'm dreading it. I hate it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll do that for you. And he's like, oh, fantastic. <laughs> yes. Love to swap. Uh, just like I got your help, uh, Will, with finances and investing, because that does not excite me or jazz me. <laughs> uh, and you got my help with everything else in life because <laughs> I'm good at everything else. So it works out for us as brothers. You know, one of the stories that came to my mind, Will, as you were talking, was for many years in my life, I have been learning as a good husband, I guess, how to fix things. And our dad is pretty handy and always kind of fixed everything around the house himself, including some pretty daunting 
well, he built his own house uh, at one point, so uh, he wasn't uh, scared to take on about any project. And I kind of continued in that tradition. And one of the things that I noticed is I started to dread these kind of projects because even though I could do them, they were still a pain in the rear. They were, mm. you know, long, difficult. Sometimes they were, you know, I think I painted the whole back deck out in the hot sun one summer. Like that took, you know, a couple days at least. And it's just miserable. Uh, it's kind of rewarding, I guess, to get it done. But it's one of those things that, I felt over the years I was supposed to. Oh, yes. is there something yes. in the house that should be fixed? Do we need to repaint a room? Do we need to patch this? Do we need to, I mean, I've taken out walls or I've built walls. I've done a lot of major. We re redid a whole kitchen one time that took months uh, ripping everything out, putting everything in. And I found I really resented all of it. Like I could do it, but I just didn't like it. It was mm. annoying. It took up a lot of time. Uh, it was hard work. It was difficult. There's always some things that go wrong. Well, then Corona hits in 2020 and we're all kind of locked down, as they say, and in our homes. And of course, a lot of us are looking at our homes going, well, we should fix this, fix that. We're all here now. And I'm thinking all these things I need to supposed to do. And one of them was our basement was kind of unfinished. And my first thought was, uh, you know, I should figure something out to kind of finish that up and get it done. And then I let my mind wander into the field of, well, what if I made it kind of fun? What would be fun look, a fun design for the basement? And for the first time, probably in my whole life, instead of saying I should or I'm supposed to, I said, but what if I made it my way? What would that look like? Mm. And it was so much fun doing that basement project. And we have a home theater down there. And we have a sound system. And I decided I wanted to add these LED lights and build a bench so we can have people over and I have a lot more seating. And I just got really carried away with making it fun. And then all that hard work I put into it, I enjoyed for the first time ever, I enjoyed yes. building, screwing in, you know, calculating, measuring, getting things level. All the things that used to be like a big pain were suddenly fun because I was building something I wanted to build in the way I wanted to build it. Yes. And, and Rick, I think that only works because you were paying attention to what you wanted, to what was in your heart to do to that creative spark, that creative desire. And, and I think that's the starting point for, for all of this, is if you feel like you're just kind of a hollow shell going through the motions of your day, um, which sadly, I think, I think the culture we live in squeezes us into that mold, mm. uh, to be honest. You yeah. know, it's just do your duty, be a, be a good worker, be a good spouse, be a good parent, and give yourself about 30 minutes at the end of the day to do something fun you like, you know? Yep. And, and so paying attention to what fills us, what energizes us, what brings us meaning and value. And, and the first obstacle you're going to run into with that is you're, you're going to say, ah, oh, I don't have time or energy for that. But if the thing is something that energizes you, then, then you don't have the energy to not do it. Yeah. Because you need that energy yeah. in your day. And you need that thing to look forward to. I, I made a huge mistake 
Um, Rick, in my last church, I was in a situation where, where a lot of what I was asked to do drained me, and I didn't mm. enjoy it. And one thing I really wanted to do was start this small group uh, discussing topics and issues that I was very interested in. And I know for a fact that would have energized me, but I never did it. Hmm. For seven years, I said, I'm too tired. I don't have the energy. I don't feel like it. But I know if I had done it, yeah. it would have been a source of meaning, purpose, and energy. And th this is something that Brene says um, here on page 112 in her book that really hit home to me. She said, squandering our gifts brings distress to our lives. Mm. As it turns out, it's not merely benign or, quote, too bad if we don't use the gifts that we've been given. We pay for it with our emotional and physical well-being. When we don't use our talents to cultivate meaningful work, we struggle. We feel disconnected and weighed down by the feelings of emptiness, frustration, resentment, shame, disappointment, fear, and even grief. Mm. And mm. so that whole thing just it really hit home to me that, you know, this is in a in a way it's not optional. This no. is this is something each of us have to figure out to find that spark to get us through the day. Yeah. So step one, I think, is to brainstorm, to reflect, take some quiet time to say, what energizes me? What what do I think? of when I think of something fun or something meaningful, what have I done in the past that kind of brought me to life? And it's not that you have to like jump out of your career because you hate it or it's lifeless or you have to divorce, <laughs> get out of your family because you feel like they're forcing you to supposed to. It's small steps mm -hmm. and it's saying, oh, you know what? I just love traveling and we haven't gone anywhere for two years. Maybe I need to just plan a trip, or maybe, maybe you live near a big city, like we live near D.C. You could go out for a couple hours. Like we can go down and see all these famous pe people come from all over the world to see D.C. And we live right here, and we hardly ever go down to the free museums and the Washington Monument. Mm -hmm. But when I do, I'm always like, oh wow, this is cool. Like we live near such a a cool place with such cool uh, sights to see and history and all of that. It could be something simple like that. Maybe it's you love poetry. Maybe you love to write. Maybe you love creating stories. And, you know, some of the best books ever written have been written by people who have totally other careers, mm -hmm. but just said, you know what? I'm just going to write a book for fun because I love good literature. I love this storyline, this plot, or I love murder mysteries. I want to write a murder mystery, or I love sci-fi, or... You know, just finding something, it may even be a little quirky for you, but I think it's oddly those little quirky kind of gifts that when we can put them into practice, we can find some way of doing them, that they make all the difference. Yeah, yeah. And you know the other part to that, Will, um, there are groups, I think there's, you know, websites and online things where you can find a group on a certain interest, you know, a certain topic. Maybe yes. you love to go bowling. Maybe you love to go mountain biking. Maybe you love uh, to do, to make jewelry or paint. You know, there's groups that are out there. You may have to do some searching. It may take you a while, 
but maybe you can find one that meets every other week or meets on a Sunday. That could be the very thing that just brings extra life and say, oh, wow. Uh, you know, I love sports. I remember uh, for many years I played basketball every Sunday morning. It was one of the favorite things I did every week, just hanging with the guys, playing some basketball. It was amazing how that one little window in my week gave me so much energy and something to look forward to uh, every week. Yes, and and I think an, another resource that that we can we can give that uh, Brene has in this book is a book titled "One Person Slash Multiple Careers: A New Model for Work Slash Life Success." And um, her book is just full of stories of people who've created meaningful work in their lives by refusing to be defined by a single career. Mm. And so she has here, uh, some of the examples in her book are a longshoreman and a documentary filmmaker, a management consultant slash cartoonist, a lawyer slash chef, a rabbi slash stand-up comic, a surgeon slash playwright, an investment manager slash rapper, a therapist slash violin maker. And so it's, 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 it's an amazing way to, to think about it. Yeah. And, and I think for me, what's always kind of held me back on, on that line was, well, I don't have the energy, you know, with what I'm currently doing. Why would I want to add something yeah. uh, to my plate? But if the thing added brings you joy and life and energy, then, then you're not really adding something that drains you. Right. You're adding something that fills you. Right. Because if you're doing it for you, it's going to give you energy. It's what drains us is that supposed to, I have to do this for them. They're going to need me. I got to, uh, you know, I'm a parent, I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a whatever. And we can get burdened under the obligation. It's not that you cast off the obligations. It's that you find something for you. So you bring more energy to those other relationships. And guess what? Your kids are going to be happier if you're happier. I think Rick, you know, you brought up a very profound point and that is, we can we could kind of sit back and just do a simple analysis of where of what we're currently uh, supposed to do, right? So we can look at our current job, what what what's expected of us there, our current role, whether we're a spouse or a parent, uh, or if we have some uh, commitment to friends or our own parents that that we are. Um, responsible for we need we need to look at all of that and then say where can i find the the want to the get to the pieces of this that i can look forward to that i could feel good about that i can bring my giftedness to and and the more we we're able to shift what we're already doing the more we'll find that there's energy within that. And, and I'm not saying it's going to be a hundred percent. There's always going to be a number of items that we just have to get done in a day that we, we're probably not going to love doing. Yeah, absolutely. Will, as you're talking, I'm thinking about others who may be our age or even older, uh, or at least li a little later in life who might be thinking, man, it sounds great guys, but I think it's too late for me. Like I, I I've lived most of my life. 
you know, college is long. I've gotten all my careers. I've invested so much in this current career. It's, I'm not going to give that up. There's a lot of reasons why we f- feel like it might be too late to make any kind of switch or even do the hyphenated kind of thing. You know, Rick, I've got a great story on that that just always inspires me. And it's about a guy that always dreamed of being a lawyer and just never worked out for him for whatever reason, just never had the courage to to make that leap. He he knew that it was a five-year program. And he was 53 and he was talking to a friend and he said, I can't do it because I'm 53. It's a five-year program, so I won't even be finished until I'm 58. And his friend said something to him so brilliant and profound, it's always stuck with me. He said, you know what? You're going to be 58 anyway in five years. Why not be 58 and be a lawyer? (laughs) Yeah. Very profound. Very profound. The time's going to go by anyway. Where do you want to be at the end of those five years? That's such a brilliant thought. That's so freeing and empowering. And it it reminds me, Rick, you and I both have a friend who uh, may or may not be listening to this podcast. And if you are, you know who you are. And uh, she has switched careers. She's in the process of going back to school. Mm. You know, she was a teacher and now she's pursuing her love of nursing. She, She shared with me, you know, all of the headaches that I'm experiencing in this, they don't bother me Mm. because it's what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Makes all the difference in the world. And and so, you know, so there's always that opportunity that we have to, you know, to, to pursue this, this sense of meaning and value in our work. And, and, and I want to kind of bring our time together to a close with this quote that's at the end of the chapter by the theologian Howard Thurman. Don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. Mm. 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 Man, I love that quote. What the world needs is people who have come alive. That's the people I like being around. People who have come alive. So thank you, Will, for that. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode. In our next episode, we are going to conclude Brene Brown's book, Gifts of Imperfection, with guidepost number 10. And she concludes with cultivating laughter, song, and dance. Mm -hmm. So it's too bad this is a podcast because Will would be doing a song and dance for us next week. (laughs) Uh, But you won't be able to see it. So I guess it'll just be the song part. But it's called Letting Go of Being Cool and Always in Control, (laughs) which for some of us is really hard to do. Yeah, yeah. So Rick, in conclusion, I just want to say that wherever you're at, whatever role you're in, whatever's supposed to is draining you, give yourself permission Mm. to find what you want. Amen. Give yourself permission to explore what energizes you, what brings you to life. What the world needs is for you to be fully alive. That's not a selfish thing. That's a great thing. So give yourself permission to find out what brings you to life this week. I couldn't have said it better myself, Will. You have been listening 
to Best Thoughts with Dr. Rick Johns and Dr. Will Johns. We're so glad that you joined us for this episode, and we can't wait to be with you again in our next episode.